When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Jean-Paul from the band Clutch, and we want you to know that rock is not dead. Welcome to Cobras and Fire. Today we welcome drummer Jean-Paul Gaster of Clutch. Look out! Welcome to Cobras and Fire. This is LC, and I'm joined today by Jean-Paul of Clutch. How are you today, sir? I'm quite well. Thank you for having me. Excellent. So, you know, we kind of joke these days as, as podcasters is that if there's ever a time you want to talk to somebody uh, in a band, that they, they might have some more time right now. So can you, can you kind of give me an idea of, of what your, uh, you know, a day in, day in the life is right now with COVID and, and not being on tour and things like that? Uh, well, it sucks. Okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, you know, um, this year we, we had um, we had a lot of great touring lined up. We were going to go to some places we hadn't been to before, uh, in particular South America. Uh, we were going to visit you know, Buenos Aires and Santiago, and uh, we were especially excited about that. We were also uh, going to hit South Africa for the first time. We'd not been wow. down there. Um, and then, of course, we had a lot of touring in the States lined up and um, a, a great European tour lined up. So it was it was frustrating to um, to to know that that stuff wasn't going to happen. So we, we pivoted. Um, and I, I, I think probably the main thing that we've we've been working on this year is, is trying to figure out how to stream shows. And we've actually been doing that from our rehearsal spot, uh, yep. which we call the Doom Saloon. And, um, you know, the, the first one that we did, we, believe it or not, we just did it on, on a laptop computer. We just sort of sit it in the, in the corner of the room. And, uh, luckily we, we were, you know, we have a couple, uh, consoles that we travel with, um, a couple Midas digital consoles and those we use for our, our shows, whether they're in nightclubs or, or festivals. Um, and so we have one set up to do, uh, the front of house mix and one of those set up to do monitors. And we use those actually to, uh, to monitor and, and mix the band. Um, and, and so that's, that's kind of how we did the first one. It was really bare bones. Um, we did a second one over the summer and that one was pretty successful. We, we, we spent a little bit of time trying to get some production in there, some lights, um, just so it looked a little better. Uh, and, and now we're working on the third one. So it's, you know, each one we learn something. Um, it's it's been a challenge, and and while it's not a replacement for a real show, 
um, it's it's at least something, and it gives us the opportunity to play, and, and hopefully the fans offer the, the opportunity to watch us. Yeah, no, I actually that's what inspired me to actually reach out. Was I caught the second one, <clears throat> and uh-huh. uh, my God, talk about a so. 4,000 set lists or something like that. And yeah. that was, that was some, some deep tracks you guys pulled off. That was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it was cool. That was something we hadn't done before that the, on that one, we, we let the fans decide. And so the, the fans went to uh, Spotify and they created um, their own sort of dream set list. And, um, and then we went, we went through them all. We looked at them and we, we picked the ones that we liked best. We tried a few out. Um, and, and that's how we, we came up with that collection of songs. It was something that we had not done before. And, uh, so yeah, so it was a lot of fun. And, and then the winner got a cool prize pack. Yeah. So it was great. Yeah. No, it was, it was, it was a great show. I really enjoyed it. And that's what I was asking. So the third one is that, is there any like month or roughly that you kind of are, are aiming for, for yeah. the next round? Yeah, maybe, maybe October time sometime before the election, I think is what we're thinking about. Nice. And, um, we're still putting the pieces in place. I'm not sure exactly what that one's going to look like. You know, we try to do each one a little, a little different. Um, and we offer merchandise if it is exclusive to that stream, yep. which I think makes it uh, kind of special because that the, the merchandise that we offer for that time period is just unique to that stream. And so it, 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 it feels a little bit like a live show in that sense that you get to go to the show, you have a commemorative t-shirt or something that you can play with and, yep. you know, hopefully show to your friends. And so, yeah, we're working it out. I mean, it's, you know, as I said, it's, it's not a replacement for a real show, but it's, it's something that keeps us busy and keeps us involved in the music. And, you know, it's, it's important for us to do that, I think. Yeah. Um, is it just me or was it pretty hot in that studio for the second round? You guys looked Pretty sweaty. Yes? No? Yeah. Well, it was in the middle of summer. And, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's hot in there. We had the air conditioning, you know, cranked. Uh, but, you know, okay. it's, it's a real thing. We get in there. We start playing. Stuff gets we, – we get excited about the music. And, you know, it's, it's an intense situation. Yeah. More fans. We'll work that in there for next time. Yeah. You guys right. definitely look like you need some water. Whew. That was uh, – yeah, great show. So – that's very cool. Yeah, I, I'm, I guess that's kind of the thing is, is now is that's the one thing that is is music fans you have is these kind of these different unique uh, things that didn't happen before because you didn't have to do them, I guess. But the, the Doom Saloon is, a, is is one of the few that I think has been done from at that level. You know what I mean? Unique merchandise. I can't think of any other band that's done it besides you guys so far in that end. And, uh, well, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think we're unique in that. And, and uh, I know... For sure, we were ahead of the curve a little bit. I, you know, we, we did some early ones that we actually streamed through YouTube. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of fun to look back at those. Um, you know, it was only a few months ago, but man, it, right. it, it feels like years sometimes. Yeah. So um, um, moving a little, little uh, to the next thing, the but also with, with a set list I should mention is, you know, I've seen you guys multiple times live. Uh, I'm in Denver, so I've seen you at the like the Boulder Theater when you guys were with King and uh, Zach Sabbath. What a great lineup that was. Um, I was just gonna yeah. ask you too. Do you are you guys in charge of picking like that kind of those? You know, sometimes they're sponsored by different companies, but those ones were your headline. That's you guys discovered King and grabbed uh, Zach Wild and kind of put that together yourself, or how does that work? Yeah, it, it, you know, it, it comes together any number of ways. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's it's the four of us who say, yeah, that sounds like a cool idea. Let's give those guys a shot. Um, you know, we, whenever possible, we, we try to bring out, 
you know, our, our, our friends, you know, bands that we like to hang out with, bands that we want to listen to on a nightly basis. Um, sometimes it's a, it's a new band that maybe we're not familiar with that, you know, that caught our ear. Um, our booking agent, Tim, well, um, he has a lot to do with it too. I think he's got a real good, real good sense of what's going to make for a good show. So, you know, we take his advice as well. And, um, so it's, it's a little bit of everything, you know, at, at the end of the day, everybody's got to be happy. You know, it can't just be, it can't be the four of us band members saying, this is the way we're going to do things. Um, and you take it or leave it. You know, we've learned over the years that you have, you have to work with people, man. And everybody's got to feel good about it. Everybody's got to be a part of the decision-making process. Um, and luckily, we have a team that we can count on and we trust their their opinions. And um, so I think in that regard, we're, we're, we're pretty fortunate. Yeah, like, like an example would be Clutch and Volbeat. I mean, I thought that was a great combo. Really looking forward to that. Is that. I know that's canceled, but does it look like it's probably going to be rescheduled for next year if all things uh, align? Well, uh, at this at this point, there is no plans to reschedule for next year. But okay. but I will say that you know we've we've toured with Volbeat before. We know those guys. I know Michael's a fan of the band. Um, Neil has uh, yep. uh, appeared on on one of their songs, and and so there's definitely a relationship there. I would I would imagine that once this thing opens up again and we get out there and start playing shows, that there's definitely a possibility we can go out with Volbeat. I think that'd be great. Cool. Um, and is there any specific song, let's say that, that, uh, so does, who comes up with a set list every night that just slaps it down? Like, is that just Neil or? No, we we switch up every night. We, we started doing that back in the, in the mid nineties. Yep. Uh, prior to that, Tim made a lot of the set lists and, um, he, and and I think that was because he was good at remembering all of our songs. (laughs) That's a good piece of the puzzle. You know, when we would sit down to write a set list, that you know, it, it's crazy to think, but sometimes those songs come to your head. You're like, well, crap, what do we play? Um, so Tim was always really good at that. He always had a sort of an encyclopedia-like mind uh, in that he could recall recall all the songs. And at that point, I think we only had maybe three records. Right. Uh, but we, we came up with a concept where we would we switch off from night to night uh, according to uh, first name in alphabetical order. And so uh, the first night of the tour, Dan would make the set list. Okay. And then myself and then Neil and Tim. And uh, and then we would start over again. And we've been doing that, believe it or not, since about 1996. So, so I guess my question on that is that obviously your catalog is huge now. How many songs really do you have? Like, let's say you go on the Bad Decisions tour. Are there 30, 40 songs that kind of rotate in and rotate out? Or you just go all over? For we go all over the place. And... and um, I think a good example of that is, you know, when we were in Europe last December, um, we, you know, by that point, we'd been on the road for a couple of years on, on Book of Bad Decisions. And uh, so we wanted to really shake things up and we started digging deep. And I, and I think at one point we were pulling from probably close to 75 different songs. Wow. Damn. So did that kind of lead to the whole Weathermaker series of kind of revisiting and remaking some of these songs? Over the last yeah, year, I, yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it. Sure, because because we go back and we play some songs, and I think there are some songs that we recorded in the studio years ago that we play better now. Um, one example of that might be "Smoke Banshee" uh, or even "Electric Worry." You know, I, I feel like just having played those songs over the years, we've yeah. gotten better at them. So that that that's an incentive, I think, for us <laughs> to re-record them. Um, another, another thing we like to do with the vault series is just record songs that we like, whether they're covers, 
uh, from, you know, from bands that we grew up with or bands that we, you know, got hit to later. Um, so we, we did a, a cover of Fortunate Son. Yep. We did a cover of uh, Cactus's version of Evil, uh, ZZ Top's Precious and Grace. Um, you know, these are songs that we just sort of grew up with that we liked. And the cool thing about recording in that way is that we go in with the intention of just recording three or four songs. We're not necessarily thinking about trying to do an entire record. Um, and this way we keep our studio chops up. Um, but it's it's not the heavy lift that a, that a, an album recording is. if i have this right or not but the the tell me more about the whole vinyl um package coming out for record store days is whether the weathermaker songs one of the one of the songs actually on the album um too is that is that one of the vinyls or is it just the the other well we, releases? We've, actually, we've got a couple things coming out for record store day sure. um the the first one is is a uh is a box set that's what called i mean the yeah. obelisk okay obelisk. and yeah the obelisk and so the obelisk contains 12 vinyls of uh, of our of all the all the all the albums that we've released on Weathermaker, uh, Weathermaker is our own label, and we started that in about 2006. Right. Um, and so we've we've compiled all those vinyls together to make this massive uh, vinyl box set. Um, it weighs, geez, I don't know, 20 <laughs> pounds or something. It's ridiculous. Sure. And. Um, it's you know it's not for everybody. It's it's definitely for uh, it's for the fan who who wants to enjoy all the vinyls, um, and it comes in a in a cool box. And on the on the cover we we've we've, uh, we've taken symbols sort of from each from each of the releases and we put them on the on the cover of this of this box. And so it looks it looks great, um, and it's something that'll definitely it'll look kick ass on your bookshelf there next to your other records. Oh yeah. Uh, so that's the obelisk, and that's that's coming out first, uh, and then um, later in November on a on a different record store day, uh, we are releasing the Weathermaker Vault Series uh, Volume One on vinyl, which Got is it. a compilation of all of the uh, all the songs that we've released on uh, as part of this Vault Series uh, collection, um, and so that's going to come out later on in November on a, on another record store day. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing I've always liked is, like, Book of Bad Decisions, the art and the detail you guys put into the packaging is always top-notch. I mean, um, I even, just from a clutch, uh, I got one of my friends that's a clutch fan, I sent him, he doesn't even have a record player, I sent him Book of Bad Decisions on vinyl, and that completely 
uh, was like a gateway drug to buying a record player and getting everything out because I got like the the Coke bottle vinyl you guys put out. So just as a fan, it's just so appreciative of, of the, all the details you guys do look at. Awesome. Well, the, the, we're very proud of that one. Uh, we, you know, we, we work with uh, uh, an artist and photographer that we've actually we've worked with with him since the very beginning of the band. His name is Dan Winters, uh, very well known photographer. Um, Mostly, he's he's known for uh, photographing a, a a lot of uh, tech and uh, uh, NASA kind of kind of stuff. He um, he he he's sort of a freelancer, and and he uh, he's an incredibly talented dude um, who we've known for a, a long time. A really inspiring guy, and um, incredibly creative. And so we always enjoy working with Dan. Um, you know, the, the back in 1992, you know, the first time we did a real sort of photo, photo shoot, the, um, the, the label at the time, East West, uh, gave us his portfolio book of different artists. And, and right away, his stuff stood out um, and we were able to contact him. And so the very first time we did a real photo shoot was with Dan Winters. And that was kind of a wild thing for us because at the time we were just 19. We didn't know anything about a photo shoot or what that meant. Sure. Um, so it, it's been great. So we've collaborated with him on and off through the years. Um, he's a he's a source of great inspiration, and he has a lot to do with uh, Book of Bad Decisions, especially how how that package came together. And his photography is just it's beautiful and striking, and uh, it's, he's an amazing guy. See, I wouldn't even pick. I thought I thought it was actually um, graphics, like you know, on the back where you have all the references from the song from the Motel Six. Um, you know, matchstick book and everything like that, but that's actually photography. Very cool. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's that's all, Dan. It's you know, it's a combination of, of his photography. Uh, he does a lot of collage work, and he does some drawings and stuff in there too. You'll you'll notice some yep. some sort of yep. like hand drawings and some pencil drawings. A lot of that is his his work as well. So okay, this this the next thing is it is very rare. We have this thing where we have for bands we call them perfectly rated where. You look at somebody's success, and it comes down to: Do they have a cool name? Do they have a logo? Are they great live? Do they are they um, immediately identifiable with their sound as soon as you start hearing the first fifteen seconds? And, and Clutch hits all those things. But what make? But this is the thing that that uh, amazes me, though, is the fact that the last three albums for me and, and a lot of fans too. I'm saying you guys are on a run, man. That Earth Rocker, Psychic Warfare, Book of Bad Decisions. It's very rare to find a band this deep in your career that's putting out, for me, some are some of their best work, in my in my ears. So, thank you. <laughs> I don't even know if that was a question. That was me just me giving you a compliment. <laughs> but well, but I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying there is that that um, with, with that kind of, you know, I came in a blast tyrant, which I didn't know at the time was produced by Machine, but then I got Earth Rock, and I was like, oh, same guy, kind of see a different. Mm-hmm different vibe going on. So I guess um, for me, I kind of see a through line with um, cousins, cousins and robot yep. and, and those, and it seems like those three had kind of a, 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 a vibe. And then these last three have had kind of a similarity. And am, am I hearing that a little correctly well, or? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, sure. I, I, I could see that. Um, I, I, I would say that it was not necessarily an intentional uh, thread, you know, between those 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 three records that you were talking about, followed up by um, uh, Earth Rocker and and Psychic Warfare and 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 uh, Hook of Bad Decisions. It, it's 
it's it's something that happens sort of subconsciously. We don't we don't really think about it too much. Um, but I, I will tell you though that you know we we spend a lot of time getting the material ready uh, before we get into the studio, so that by the time we get into the studio, we have a very good understanding of what the records going to shape up to sound like. Um, by that point, you know, we've narrowed the songs down as much as we can to what we think is the strongest material. Um, you know, if, if we write a uh, hundred riffs, probably, I don't know, I'm guessing, you know, maybe 15 of those end up on the record. Sure. Uh, we, we're really picky about how, uh, how, how we choose the songs. Um, and, and I think more and more, too, these days, we're, 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 we really pay attention to what Neil is doing vocally. Um, but, you know, for me as a drummer, that's that's always been something that I've I've tried to hit on. And more and more I rely on on uh, on how he approaches the song to inform how I'm going to play drums on it. Um, and I just think that makes for a better song because, you know, at, at the end of the day, while a lot of Clutch fans may be drummers or guitarists, uh or uh, you know any, any other number of uh, instrumentalists. At the end of the day, we're we're sort of all singers, and that you know we want to sing. Every, everybody does, whether or not we do it well or professionally is a completely different story. But you know we all we all sing in the car. We we all sing in the shower or or while you're cutting the grass or whatever you're doing. So <laughs> you know that that vocal is is just super important. That that that's the thing that everybody's going to latch on to. So I, I really rely on that and. So more and more, I think the the way Neil shapes the vocals really ends up uh, shaping the, the the entirety of the song. Okay, so to go more into that, you know, it, as far as I've seen, and um, on all the albums, it always just says written by Clutch. Am I right about that? Yeah. Okay, that's true. So, mm-hmm. is there a, a general formula? It, what I mean by that is that does it start with the vocal, like you were saying, or does it start? You come up with some. Give me an idea about like how that usually well, works. Yeah. The, the, the thing is there is no set way. And that's one of my favorite parts about being in this band is there's no one way that the song is going to come to life. Um, the, the song can, can start with any one of us. And, uh, and we just sort of chase that idea down. Eventually, uh, Neil will, will start putting vocals on it. Even if they're not words, just, just sort of sounds, uh, rhythmic ideas, and, and from there, we start to sort of flesh out, like, what, what sounds like a verse? What might, what might be a chorus? Uh, you know, how, how, how does the vocal, how might the vocal lay on that verse? You know, what's, what's the best thing for us to do to make that vocal sound good? Um, it's a really, it's, 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 a, it's an organic process, and it's, and it's one that takes any, any number of shapes. Um, so, and, you know, and then, of course, there's there's the time where Neil will come in with something. He'll say, you know, I got this idea. I don't think it's very good, but let me play it for you guys. And, of course, we listen to it. We're like, you're nuts, man. That, that, that's a song. It's done. Okay. Well, <laughs> Let's do exactly what you did right there. Oh, I thought you were so, gonna. I thought you were going to say, not another song about a minotaur. Yeah. <laughs> you never know what Neil's going to say. No more Wookiees, man. <laughs> You know, another one of my favorite parts of the process is uh, is hearing those vocals for the first time. You know, as 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 a as the drummer, I'm sort of the default uh, recording engineer while we're we're demoing these songs, and and I enjoy that 
that part of it. You know, I'm, I'm the guy who puts up the microphones and, and uh, records everything on my computer. And then I, I take it home and I, and I put a mix on it. Uh, oftentimes we'll record an instrumental version of the song and then, uh, and then Neil will, will go back and record a vocal and, and he'll do that right, you know, right behind me. And, and to this day, I'll, uh, I'll put on my headphones and hit record and Neil will be behind me and he'll, he'll start singing the song and the vocals will be nothing like what I imagined. And almost every time I get goosebumps, it's, it's, it's really an incredible thing. I, I love being able to hear those words for the first time. It's, um, it's probably for me, it's the most exciting part of the process because I get to hear what, what the record might sound like and what direction we might be going in. So it's, it's really fun, man. And after all these years, I, I you know, I, I still enjoy it. I, I still get a kick out of writing with these guys and, uh, trying to do new stuff, trying to pick up on new ideas and, and, you know, cre- create some, some sounds that we hadn't done before. Yeah, no, it's, um, you, you probably crack up sometimes when the, the lyrics come to you, right? For the first Absolutely, time. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, what the heck are you singing about, man? <laughs> <laughs> so what was, was it just the band decision to finally like, uh, we kind of make a joke sometimes saying that ACDC can put, put together a, a, an album called rock balls and it's all songs that have rock in the tighter or balls but and yep. then you guys did Monsters, Machines, and Mythological Beasts, which is a pretty funny collection of songs here. So the uh, who decided to put... Is that actually a physical or is that just a, an, a streamer? That's a, that's a digital collection. That's what I thought. And, um, you know, we were just sitting around thinking, <laughs> you know, well, there are so many themes that, that, that flow throughout our, our, uh, our songs. You know, Neil is, is so good at, at uh, picking up on... on, on on characters, right? I, yep. I, I think that's that's the cool part about it. Like when you're talking about Minotaur, you know, it's like who writes a song about that? He does. Uh, and, you guys do. And, and right away, you 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 conjure up this image in your head of you know of what that Minotaur might look like and what that means. You know what that means to you. Maybe you saw a Minotaur when you were a kid, or you draw drew one, or whatever the case may be. It's it's um, it's it's great for the imagination. And so that was a collection of songs that we put together that were just, they were about those things. The, uh, even those digital covers awesome too. Uh, I'm telling you, your clutch addicts, they'll scoop up a couple thousand copies of this. You put it out as a physical. I will. Well, we, we may end up doing that one day. Cool. Um, okay. Let's see what else. I should... Oh, I was going to ask you too. Uh, going back to just kind of the, you know, basically the break between cousins and earth rocker. That was pretty much, that was your longest break. Wasn't it kind of, a couple um, years, three years. Could be. Could I, be. I I, I I guess my just going back to the whole, um, this this run. Like you went with was going back with machine in, intentional to kind of get the blast tyrant maybe zone. Yeah, I mean it, it, each record is is an attempt to do something different, and and oftentimes we we you know we'll, we'll try to do the opposite of what we did uh, in an effort to get a, a different result. You know so. Uh, Strange Cousins from the West was recorded in Baltimore with Jay Robbins, mm-hmm. uh, who also recorded Robot Hive Exodus. Um, and now that you mentioned that, I can I can remember now there there was quite a span of time between Strange Cousins and uh, Earth Rocker, and I, I think that was the time when you know the band uh, on a touring level was growing considerably. And so we, we spent a lot of time on the road. And I remember now um, trying to carve out some time in the schedule to, to get home and write. 
And I think that was right around the time when Motorhead called and said, hey, do you guys want to go to England with us? Nice. And, uh, yeah, so we said, okay, well, we should probably do that. <laughs> uh, okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, oftentimes these tours come up and, and um, you know, you, the intention is to, to stay home and write. But, man, how can you, you can't turn that down. No. DRT uh, Entertainment folds, and we've had uh, other artists like Bobo Flux and some other ones have talked about that. Was there so the all the you now have the rights to those albums, right? Is that part of Correct. Weathermaker? Okay, Correct. was that a big mess for a bit? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, you know, uh, it, 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 it involved attorneys and lawsuits, and sure. there's nothing fun about that. That is a that's the biggest waste of time, uh, energy, and uh, you know the idea of going on the road uh, to play shows in order to, you know, pay these attorney bills. Right. You know, pretty, pretty, pretty frustrating. Uh, I, I certainly don't blame our attorneys. Luckily we had really good ones and we were able to, to work out a situation in the end that was, that worked out for us. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's tough. And we were just, you know, we were a, a, just a band out there grinding out, trying to, trying to make a living. And, um, you know, it, it was another reason why we knew that that signing to a label is just it's putting off the inevitable. And, and I and I tell that to uh, a lot of young bands, a lot of young musicians that I that I come across, you know, take take the bull by the horns and put your own music out because inevitably we have to do this. Uh, all of us are going to have to do this. You know, the the labels really at this point are. Uh, they're kind of just a, uh, they're just a bank, right? I mean, they, right. they, they bankroll whatever recording costs you might have and then whatever little publicity they might put into it. And then at the end of the day, it's still on the backs of the artist. It's up to the artist to promote stuff on their own social medias. It's up, the, up to the artist to get in the van and, and grind it out, play the shows. Um, so, so, you know, why not just, just do it now to take, take, take the initiative and, and create your own label um, because ultimately, if if you want to make a career in music, I, I think that's the best way to do it. In a way, it kind of forced your hand to because you after DRT it was Weathermaker only, right? You were never on another label. Do I have that correct? Correct. We we started uh, Weathermaker at that point. Um, we had released uh, oh, the Jam Room, the Bakerton Group, which was a side project of ours, uh, an instrumental side project. We had released uh, Strange Cousins from the West. Yeah. So we were kind of trying to do two things, you know, we were trying to launch this label and at the same time uh, dealing with, you know, these, this old, uh, uh, this old label that we had, you know, we had a relationship with and, 
it was it was it was tough, you know, trying trying to get all that stuff up off the ground. At at the end of the day, it, it worked out for the best for us, and and now we have a catalog, which is which is really the most advantageous thing. That that's another thing I try to tell young bands and artists is is to, you know, write and record music and, and get it out there, and do it as much as you can. Build a catalog. Build build a catalog that you can have up on uh, on the streaming services because while yes, it is true that the streaming services uh, don't pay musicians much of anything at all if you have uh, a a good collection of quality music up there fans and listeners will find it they they will tell their friends about it and you know it it might not be a thousand dollars a month but it'll be a little bit every month and this is something that just lives up there indefinitely and the longer it lives up there the more people learn about it and and if it's good music and if you meant it when you recorded it if it's if it's heartfelt people are going to they're going to eventually they will find it and it will pay off. Agreed. So <clears throat> going into to music, um, Clutch's music, do you have any, you know, one of the optimist in the, the rock fan is that COVID gives people time to be more creative. So is there any plans or is there anything written a little bit so far for that or, or a vision of the next album at this point? Sure. Yeah. We, we've, we've definitely been thinking about that. Um, I, I you know, I, I, I will say that, uh, you know, you, you are right in that, in that uh, you know, on paper, you, you would think that this would be a, a creative time for artists. And maybe and maybe there are artists out there who are, are doing, you know, some of their best work ever right now, writing their best songs. Um, I can tell you for us, you know, we've concentrated mostly on on trying to figure out how to how to stream these shows and figure out that technology. Um and we and while we have started to write, um, you know, it's it's it, it is we are not living in uh, very inspiring times. Understood. And Understood. Uh, so it's it's you know it's 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 difficult to 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 get those wheels turning. Um, not only that, but also knowing that once we have this recording done, it's it's difficult to say when we're going to be able to get out there and play these songs. You know, we we've always been a band that writes songs. And immediately puts these songs into the set. Yep. Uh, and that gives us the opportunity to play these things, and the songs take shape. We really rely on that that live environment to uh, sort of uh, to, to to bring those songs to life. Because oftentimes, what sounds great in the jam room does not translate to the to the live setting. And you can tell that within the first ten seconds of playing that song, you know right away if <laughs> okay. you got something that works or not. Gotcha. Um, and, and so I think we're missing that element. And that, that's not to say that we will not record, but I, I think for us the challenge is, is, is going to be to how, how do we triangulate that, this new dynamic. Um, and, you know, we're going we're gonna to figure that out, no doubt. Cool. And uh, are there plans to go back with Vance Powell for the next one, or that's kind of up in the air still? Too early to say. We, we very much enjoyed our time with Vance Powell. Um, I, I think Vance Powell was probably probably one of the most talented engineers we've ever worked with. I, I'm, I was continually blown away by the, the tones that he was able to, to pull out of the band. And um, for that record, for that reason, that, that record in particular um, is one of my favorites. Uh, um, but it, it's, it's, it's hard to say. We, we have to really get a, a collection of songs. We have to sort of get a vibe going of what, where this material might head before we start making decisions about who and where we're going to record. Cool. 
Well, I'll leave you with this question, Ed, is uh, besides drums, uh, I understand you have a few other hobbies, uh, one being the mandolin. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I beat up the mandolin from time to time. I'm not very good. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I, but How'd I you get into that? Uh, um, you know, my brother-in-law, actually. My, my brother-in-law is an incredibly talented uh, uh, guitarist, uh, and he has a knack for being able to pick up almost any stringed instrument and, and make some sense of it almost immediately. And uh, I was attracted to the mandolin because it was small. And uh, <laughs> okay. when you play it with your fingers without a pick, it's relatively quiet. All right. So um, it was it's, it was the, made perhaps the least annoying string instrument I could bring around uh, my wife or the band. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and so for that reason, I, I found it to be perfect for me. So yeah, I still beat on that from time to time. Uh, I try to play a little bit of bass here and there. I've got a set of vibraphones, and I I like I like to play those. Um, you know, mostly for me, it's just it's 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 an exercise in, in learning how music comes together and, and what it what chords mean and what what uh, what it means to uh, to play a blues, for example. Um, and and that for me has been huge, you know, uh, getting getting out of just studying just drums uh, into uh, studying form a little more, I think, has been super helpful and and. So, you know, it's a work in progress. And, and uh, for me, the two sort of go hand in hand now. Yeah, because um, uh, one of the friends of the show is Josh Toomey. You were on his podcast, talked to me a month or two ago. And um, you mentioned just you're constantly always, like you talked about for the mandolin, you're, you're, you're playing uh, drums in basically the back of a semi. Do I have that right when you're on tour? You, you set up your... Sure. Your, yeah, it, well, you know, we, uh, we, we were... Well, we were lucky enough to graduate to a semi truck on this last tour. Nice. Okay. Uh, and so we we kept all the gear in there, and the merchandise in there, and then we had a tour bus. Um, but it turns out the the semi was actually a great little practice room for me. Um, and I, I I try to spend a lot of time on the road practicing. There's a lot of downtime there, um, and you know stuff like video games has never been interesting to me. Uh, I've always found that to be a huge waste of time. Uh, I, I know that there's uh, there's musicians out there who might go golfing during the day or do any number of things. I, you know, I, I, I chose to spend my time uh, thinking about and practicing the drums. And so um, it turns out the, the, the semi is a great place to set up a little practice kit. And and again, it's it's maybe one of the least annoying places to set up the, the, the drums because <laughs> oftentimes they'll put me in a in a spare dressing room or a broom closet of some kind, which is just down the hallway from perhaps the band or the opening bands. And I gotta you know, say, while I, uh, I, I, I love to practice drums, but yeah. I need to be annoying. I was going to say, I, I, you're, I'm very impressed with your politeness. Well, yes. you know, I, I uh, <laughs> my mom will raise me right. That's right. Always concerned <laughs> of how loud you are. All right. That's yep. good. Okay. Um, that's pretty much everything I have. Okay. Thank you very much, man. You have you have a great day. Of course. Appreciate you it. Too. Bye. Okay.
One other thing, <laughs> again, because I'll throw as I forget, is my son is 10 years old, and he is obs- uh-huh. he is obsessed with you guys with uh, Hot Bottom Feeder and Walks Barbarella and everything like that. So can you just, his name's Dylan, you just say hello uh-huh. to him, and it'll freak him out later. Hey, Dylan, how are you? Hot Bottom Feeder. <laughs> uh, okay, thank you very much. Enough of, sure. enough of my little uh, favors. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 